Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Senate reaction. The Supreme Court ruling in the Dobbs case prompts mixed feelings by lawmakers on Capitol Hill. The founder and chair of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus, Senator Steve Daines, joins us to discuss President Joe Biden's radical pro-abortion push and how he plans to continue defending the unborn. Catholic analysis. We take a look at what the Dobbs decision means to the church and how we as Catholics can respond to people who are hostile towards the protection of life. Father Patrick Mary of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word and Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote, share their thoughts on the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Change Minds. The pro-life group Live Action releases its four-part series aimed at changing minds when it comes to abortion. Live Action correspondent Christina Bennett discusses the campaign and how it emphasizes the important fact that abortion is not health care. The Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe has prompted a variety of reactions from the White House and lawmakers on Capitol Hill. In a recent press release, Senator Steve Daines of Montana called out President Joe Biden's continued promotion of his radical abortion agenda. Daines says that Biden will stop at nothing to force states to allow dangerous chemical abortion pills. And joining me now is Senator Steve Daines, founder and chair of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. Senator, thanks for joining me. It's been a couple of weeks now since Roe has been overturned. What's your reaction to the news and what are you doing in the Senate to respond? Well, I, I think many who've been watching this, you know, that horrible case from 1973, wondered if we'd ever see it overturned in our lifetime. And we are so grateful that the Supreme Court did exactly the right thing. They overturned that terrible decision in 1973 and has corrected a historic injustice, uh, one of the worst, perhaps, in our nation's history, resulting in some 63 million lost lives. So it was, it was a joyous moment. It was a very scholarly opinion. I just am so thankful for these thoughtful justices and Justice Alito's leadership. And, and there's been so much misinformation about what the court said, but let's just put it out in plain text. What they said is that there's no constitutional right to an abortion. That's clear. Our founding fathers never put it in there. And they said, we return the power to the people, to the elected officials, to decide what regulations should be put in place for abortion. Elected officials, that means officials in the states and the federal government, because the, the, the court realizes this is a contentious issue and that it should be decided by elected officials who are directly accountable to the people. This is actually a victory for democracy, but now the fight only continues and frankly even further intensified. Absolutely, could not agree with you more. Joe Biden is calling for elimination of the Senate filibuster because of all of this in order to ram through legislation that would essentially codify Roe versus Wade, even though Roe versus Wade is no longer the law of the land. And he most recently advocated for this at a NATO summit. So how does this make our country look on the international stage, Senator? Well, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to see our president uh, at a NATO summit saying this. Remember, 47 out of 50 European countries have stronger protections for the unborn than we do. And so the United States is an outlier. You know, we're just one of seven countries that allows late-term abortions. Uh, we are in the same list as North Korea and China. But here's what the 
the pro-abortion force they're going to do. Uh, they're going to try to blow up the filibuster, as the president said. Uh, that would mean that with simply 51 votes in the U.S. Senate, they could codify Roe v. Wade. That would mean abortion would be legal up until the point of birth. That is the most radical position. Well, a Marist poll from this year said that over 70 percent of the American people want to see restrictions on late-term abortions. So the Biden administration is way out of step with where the American people are. But I, as a way to get around the authority of states that want to protect the unborn. Mm, very unfortunate. That could be very dangerous. And several states, led by Democrats, have taken steps to protect abortion access now that Roe is overturned. Meanwhile, a dozen pro-life states, over a dozen, have essentially stopped all abortions mm -hmm. in the last couple of weeks. So how is all of this activity in the states impacting federal legislation that we might see in the coming days, particularly in the Senate? Yeah, well, we need to continue to fight in the U.S. Senate uh, for the strongest possible laws that we can pass that can protect the unborn. But this is going to be a battle now at the states as well as the federal government. But I, I just would also want to make sure that we all in the pro-life community uh, continue to act with compassion, with great care, as we're going to see more and more mothers now taking their, their, uh, uh, their pregnancies to full term. So we're going to need a, a stronger support for crisis pregnancy centers. The church will have a very important role to play here to walk alongside these sometimes very frightened young mothers who need the care and compassion that we need to provide for them so they can have a healthy baby. Yes, and we are ready to serve those moms and babies in the pro-life movement. Senator Steve Daines of Montana, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Pro-life groups are also urging the House of Representatives to take action. Here's what's going on on that side of the hill. Over a dozen pro-life leaders led by Heritage Action have asked House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Minority Whip Steve Scalise to hold a vote on the Heartbeat Protection Act. Such a vote has not yet been scheduled. In addition, seven pro-life members led by Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene have introduced a bill that would call out the violent actions of pro-abortion groups Jane's Revenge and Ruth Sent Us as domestic terrorism. Joining me now for more details on House activity is Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Congressman Biggs, thanks for joining me. You are one of these seven members who signed onto this bill that condemns the violent actions being carried out by Jane's Revenge and Ruth Sentas. Now, so far, these violent groups have attacked over 100 churches and almost 40 pregnancy centers. Can you tell us more about this bill? Yeah, the, the idea is that, you know, you should be very careful when you label groups and individuals as domestic terrorists. But what you're seeing here is to attack on literally hundreds, uh, over 100 uh, churches and over 40 uh, crisis pregnancy centers. What you're seeing is a, a basically an organized attack by groups that have identified themselves. Uh, and that means that they're a cell or a terrorist organization. And if that's the case, um, this is a real domestic terrorism group, and they should be labeled such so that all of the resources of the federal government the, and the police apparatus of the federal government and the local and state jurisdictions should come together and be able to investigate and make arrests where necessary. Mm, very important legislation. We'll be tracking it. Uh, many pro-life groups are calling for a vote on the Heartbeat Protection Act, Congressman. This bill, if advanced, would stop abortions at around six weeks when a heartbeat can be detected. And we know that we would need a majority in the House for this bill to go anywhere. But 
Do you agree that that shouldn't stop pro-life members from bringing these bills to the forefront of debate right now? Yeah, I'm a big, I've been an advocate for the heartbeat bill for a long time. And I think that we should bring it to the floor. Sometimes you bring things to the floor regardless of whether they are going to be defeated because you have to have the debate on that very critical issue. Um, right now, you're going to have states, after the Dobbs decision, you're going to have states that still will allow abortion right up till the baby's uh, born or in the birth canal even, uh, which is about as crazy as it comes. It's, it's illiberal when compared to even some of the more liberal European states. I think that when people understand that a heartbeat is detectable at six weeks, that most Americans, most Americans, I don't mean just a, a, a simple majority, I mean a supermajority of Americans would say, well, look, you cannot abort a baby once a heartbeat's detected. I think we need to do it strategically and morally. Right. And we know that overturning Roe simply returns the power to the states to determine their own abortion laws. We also know that in just these first couple of weeks since Roe fell, almost half of the states have now enacted or are working on legislation to basically ban abortion. Given that fact, do you think it's possible for us to see movement on federal legislation to ban abortion anytime soon? I'm, uh, I'm not very optimistic about that, and I'll tell you why. This is, this is the left's hill to die on. They, they, have, they have been advocates to kill babies for literally 50 years or more. This is, their, this is their hill to die on. So what they're going to do is they're going to do everything they can to prevent us from bringing the heartbeat bill forward, and they're going to keep fighting us tooth and nail. But I can tell you this, if we get the majority back, we need to get, do that immediately. And that should be one of the first bills we do and send it over to the Senate. Yes. Well, despite Democrat control right now, we're thankful for members like you who are fighting for that. And I also briefly wanted to get your thoughts on the recent deaths of over 50 migrants at the southern border who are being smuggled into America in a truck. You said on Twitter recently that the Biden administration's border policies are really to blame for this. They're allowing for human smuggling and gruesome deaths. So what do you think should be done? Well, there's so much that we could do. Um, uh, they, the Biden administration is responsible for this because they actually, uh, through executive order, eliminated the policies that were working. So you have to you have to reinstate uh, Remain in Mexico policy. Don't get rid of it. That's what they want to do. You have to expand Title 42, which allow which allows us to remove people on uh, health policy. You have to renew the the um, asylum agreements that we had with the Northern Triangle states. You have to you have to move people out who are here as, uh, requesting asylum and not let them into the country in the first place because the vast majority, almost 100 percent, just just about 90 some odd percent of them are bogus claims. And so you need to move those forward as quickly as you can. And then you have to detain people as required under law. So you enforce the laws that are in place, which this administration has specifically told ICE and CBP not to do it. And they've, uh, you know, this is a tragic thing. You, you talked about the 50 in the uh, 52 people that were involved in that, uh, that horrible uh, death uh, truck in San Antonio. But the reality, you have smaller groups like this almost every day all along our southern border. Mm. Uh, this has to stop. There are ways to stop it. This administration wants this policy. Yeah, very tragic. Well, thank you for your insight on that and for um, everything that you're doing to protect life. Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, God bless. Thank you, Prudence. God bless you, too.
Katie Glenn of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America joins me now to discuss more pro-life news. Katie, thanks for joining me. Can you give us an update on states that have enacted pro-life laws in these couple of weeks since Roe's overturn? We are so excited to see governors moving quickly to enact the laws that their lawmakers and their people passed before the overturn of Roe v. Wade. This is such an exciting time. Already 10 states' laws have gone into effect, and another 10 are in the courts right now. So if you want to learn more about any of those states, you can go to lifesavinglaws.com. We're updating it twice a day so everyone can get the latest information. But states are aggressively pushing to enact protective laws, and we're going to be there with them 100% of the way. Yeah, thanks so much for that live updating that you're doing at that site, lifesavinglaws.com. And we know that state activity on pro-life laws, Katie, it should affect what's going on here on Capitol Hill. Now with Roe overturned, could you speak to the importance of strong federal action on this issue? What do you hope to see from Capitol Hill leaders in this next phase for our movement? Well, when the court said they're returning the issue to the states, what they really mean is they're returning it to elected officials. So that includes our state lawmakers and Congress. We know that there are problems only Congress can solve things like collecting accurate information when states like California refuse to even collect it, let alone share it with the public, uh, things like chemical abortion, which we know these pills are being mailed across state lines, even to minors whose parents don't know that they're getting these online. So there are big problems we're still going to have to solve at the federal level, and we're excited that so many members of Congress are working towards that. Mm. And with states everywhere advancing strong laws to stop abortions, some federal judges are quipping back. For example, in Florida, Judge John Cooper temporarily blocked the state's 15-week limit on abortion, which pro-lifers have been working to advance in the state for years. And you live in Florida, so I'm sure you know this very well. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, we've got this unique feature in our law where as soon as the governor filed an appeal of that injunction, it was actually stayed, which means the injunction's not in effect. So our law is back in effect. Uh, the Miami Herald had back-to-back -back reports within an hour where they said the law can't take effect, now it can. So we're really glad for that. We're grateful that the governor is aggressively defending the law, which the people of our state support. And I saw some Harvard polling this morning that said 72% of Americans support a law at 15 weeks like we have here in Florida. So we're excited to get that in front of our state Supreme Court and would urge people in other states to do the same thing. If you've got a bad state Supreme Court decision, get back in front of them because things have really changed. And if you've got a pro-life governor, encourage them to get those laws and those uh, bad cases off the books so that you can pass life-affirming laws. That is great news about Florida. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on the fact that Joe Biden just held an event with pro-abortion governors across the country to thank them for their continued promotion of the killing of unborn children in their states. Can you tell us what you know about that meeting? Well, I know that they have been calling this a whole-of-government response. We saw the HHS secretary out there. Uh, we've seen senators like Elizabeth Warren say that she wants to put abortion clinics in tents in national parks. So we have to approach this with a whole-of-government solution as well. We're going to be keeping a close eye not on just what our governors are doing, but certainly on what the administration is doing and looking at every opportunity to protect lives. The Supreme Court has said that the states have many, and Congress, have many, many compelling and legitimate interests in protecting unborn life. 
as early as conception. It's a shame that our Catholic president doesn't see that. We pray that he eventually does. But in the meantime, we are going to be holding them accountable because this is not what the American people want. And it's certainly not what our elected representatives were sent to Washington to do. Right. Thank you so much for all these important updates. Katie Glenn of Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America. Thanks. As American Catholics, it's important for us to reflect on this moment in our church's history and the role that we will play in a world without Roe. We must prepare for the days ahead. Archbishop Nauman of Kansas recently said, quote, I'm overjoyed that the American people can decide what abortion policy will be. I'm glad we're back to where we were pre-1973, but the battle is not over. I spoke to Father Patrick Mary of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word and Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote last week. This is what they said. I'm joined now by Father Patrick Mary, MFBA, and Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me today. Father Patrick, I had the privilege of co-hosting EWTN's March for Life coverage with you just a little bit earlier this year, so I know you've been following all of this very closely. Could you speak to what a spiritual victory this is for the church, especially here in the United States? Well, Prudence, this certainly is a great spiritual victory, and what a great joy, too, to to we hear about this on the great solemnity of the, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I remember I just finished offering Mass for the solemnity of the Sacred Heart and hearing confessions at the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament, and one of the friars texted us with the, with the great news. And what a gift from the Sacred Heart of Jesus that, you know, we know that life is a gift from our God, um, and it's a sacred gift that we are called to protect. And just hearing this, that our own nation, the highest court in our nation, just says that there is no right to take innocent human life in the womb, to, to have an abortion. Um, but what we ask, you know, it's a great blessing from God, and we hope that the Lord will certainly continue to bless our nation as we move forward. But certainly a great, a great day of joy and, and gratitude in this moment in our, in our history in our country. Right, absolutely. And Brian, as Father Patrick said, this decision came down uh, overturning Roe on the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Could you speak to how it's just so clear that the Lord's hand was in this and why, you know, that means Catholics should be speaking into this victory and really engaging in the public sphere? Well, I'm reminded when I heard the decision on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of the famous line by Pope St. John Paul II, who said, in the designs of providence, there are no mere coincidences. And so I don't think it's, it's uh, wrong to suggest that the hand of God was clearly here uh, on an, uh, uh, this decision coming down on this day. Of course, me personally, I attend the Church of the Sacred Heart in the suburbs of Chicago, and so it was especially important for me. Uh, you're so right. Catholics have such a critical role to play. Don't forget it was the Catholic Church that was essentially helped start the pro-life movement after Roe v. Wade, and it's going to be the Catholic Church that is going to need to be at the center of the reforms that are now necessary now that the court has given us uh, the ability to reform abortion law around the country. Right. And Father Patrick, as Archbishop Nauman said, you know, this battle is not over. And part of that battle is going to be coming up against uh, people who don't agree with us, even within our own Catholic Church, such as President Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi. How do we come up against these people who are hostile to what we believe and know to be true, protecting the family, traditional marriage, protecting life? How should we respond? Well, first of all, it's good for us to know our faith, to study it well, and to look at the, the arguments that we come across 
um, with a peace, you know, with a joy that we don't allow uh, anger or hatred to take over. It's good to hear another person's position and to ask them why they believe the way they do, and then that we can be able just to give them clear responses that, again, all life is a gift. And even like the whole notion of freedom, which often is like, you know, you're taking away the freedom, the rights of women, to look at what true freedom is. It's a gift from God. And it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want, especially when it comes to harming or taking away innocent human life. So I think for us as Catholics, striving to be faithful to the Church, to, to continue to study and learn it. What Pope Benedict XVI would say, you know, learning our faith, it's a lifelong process, um, that we know how to clearly articulate the faith with charity, to preach the truth in charity. And that's a lifelong process, and just being willing to engage. Now, obviously, because of what's going on now in our country, this is going to be a regular discussion topic among a lot of Catholics. And so it's good for us to be able, again, to articulate clearly and truthfully and joyfully our faith um, right. to engage others and to help lead them to the fullness of the truth. Yes, and to be courageous in speaking the truth. And Brian, one final question. Now that Roe has been overturned, a lot of people are looking to the states, Kansas in particular. That's a place where voters will soon be able to, to vote on the life issue and the value them both amendment. This is something that's on the ballot where voters will soon have an opportunity to potentially eliminate a so-called right to abortion from the Kansas state constitution. What are your thoughts on this at Catholic Vote? How are you and other pro-life groups engaging in that state? Well, thanks for asking about that, because it's exactly right. The first test of this Dobbs decision in the states is going to come in Kansas. They have an election on a ballot initiative August 2nd. Early voting starts in just two weeks. And this will test whether or not uh, Kansans, uh, when given the choice, the Supreme Court has now given them whether or not to allow abortion in their state. It's uh, related to a Supreme Court decision, state Supreme Court decision that they had. And it's so important that Catholics now turn their focus to these state battles. Kansas is battle number one. And we are going to be mobilizing Catholics in that state, Archbishop Nauman, the bishops, and so and groups on the ground there are already working. We have the Catholic Vote Action Network. If you want to sign up, you can do so on our website. You can uh, help us contact Catholics. It's really going to come down to turnout, uh, because it's an August election. There are likely to be uh, less turnout than normal. It's going to be really important that we motivate and inspire fellow Catholics and, and all people of faith in that state to turn out for this ballot initiative. Right. Well, if you're a Kansan and you're watching right now, make sure you get out and vote on August 2nd. Father Patrick Mary of EWTN and Brian Birch of Catholic Vote, thanks so much for your time. God bless you. Thank you. Coming up, we expose groups known as abortion funds, whose sole mission is to fund the genocide of abortion. I speak out. Plus, we take a look at a new campaign aimed at exposing the brutal reality of abortion. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. When it comes to large corporations and groups who continue to fund abortion, there are more culprits than we know. That is this week's Speak Out segment. We know that dozens of large corporations like Amazon, Google, Starbucks, and Disney have all pledged to fund abortion by paying for their employees to kill their babies. But did you know that there are other organizations whose core mission is to pay for and promote abortion? 
There are over 90 groups in the U.S. that refer to themselves as abortion funds. They have a collective goal to remove financial and logistical barriers to abortion access, and they are all part of an umbrella group known as the National Network of Abortion Funds. These groups target poor women, and now they are zeroing in on poor women in pro-life states. It's appalling that these abortion funds would seek out those who are already extremely susceptible to depression, anxiety, and other psychological and medical problems, and then compound their crises by offering them a way to kill their child. This is backwards and evil. Abortion funds can receive money via grants, as well as donations from other large corporations, so be careful about where you are spending or donating your money. You don't want it anywhere close to these abortion funds. Days before Roe versus Wade was overturned, the pro-life group Live Action launched a new campaign titled What is Abortion? The four-part series is aimed at changing the minds of pro-abortion people by presenting them with the facts about what abortion is. The campaign features board-certified obstetrician gynecologists and former abortionists explaining each type of abortion procedure in detail. Live Action's founder and president, Lila Rose, says the content is a vital step towards creating a culture that is safer for families. And joining me now is Live Action correspondent, Christina Bennett. Christina, thanks for joining me. Want to start by just getting your reaction to, overturn, to the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Well, thank you for having me. I was sobbing when I heard the news that the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe versus Wade. I've been praying and fighting for 17 years for this moment and to see it actually happen. And then the next day to go to the store and to be able to pick up a newspaper with the words Roe versus Wade is overturned. It was just phenomenal. It truly has been like watching a dream come true. Yes, I think many of us feel the same way. Tell us about the What is Abortion campaign that Live Action has launched. What's unique about it? Well, what's unique is that we are working with four female former abortionists and OBGYNs who are telling their story as to why they left you know, the abortion industry, as well as going into detail regarding what really happens in an abortion. I'm sure many of the audience today has seen the reaction to the overturning of Roe versus Wade on social media. And so many people are upset because they really don't know what abortion is. They think it's just liberation. They think it's a woman's right. They think it's some sort of freedom. But when they watch these videos and they see what abortion truly is, that it's violence against a preborn child, that a preborn child is being dismembered, and that their tiny body parts are treated like medical waste and they're sent to an incinerator. Now, the video doesn't go into all of those details, but that is the reality of abortion. And it shows enough through these medically accurate animations to give people a true reality of what happens during an abortion. And that changes their hearts and minds. Yeah, totally agree. What is your message to those who are hostile towards the protection of life, even with all of that factual information in front of them? Well, my message would be for them to just really consider what they are defending and consider what they think they are protecting. Because when they really look at what it is, it's, an, it's a gruesome act. It's an act that hurts women. It hurts, of course, the children who are dying in these procedures. 2,363 more children every day are dying from abortion. But it also hurts our entire world because every time a life is lost, 
it changes the family, it changes the community, it changes the state and the nation. And so I would ask them to look at the science, look at our videos. Live Action has a video called Baby Olivia. It shows the fetal development of a baby growing in the womb. Look at our content and really think about what position they want to have. Mm. And Christina, could you share with us a little bit about your personal story? I know that your mother had a life-changing experience in an abortion clinic when she was pregnant with you. Tell us about it. Yes, my mother walked out of her abortion appointment just really because of a miraculous intervention. There was a janitor, an African-American janitor in the hospital hallway, and she saw her crying and she asked her, do you want to have this baby? And my mom said, yes. And she said, God will give you the strength. And that word really empowered my mom. She told the abortionist that she wanted to leave. He was angry. He didn't want to lose business for the day. And so he actually yelled at her and said, don't leave this room. Told her she'd already paid for it and that she was just nervous. But she was very firm. She stood her ground. She ran out. And then 20-something years later, that story, it came to me. And I discovered it. And I ended up becoming pro-life and deciding to fight for the ending of abortion to save lives. Mm, so beautiful. Praise God for your mother's courage and for your life, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us from Live Action. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. God bless. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.